Well, I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. And if you're getting used to your Bibles, it's in the last fourth of the Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible, we should have some black ones in the seat rack nearby. You can open one of those and turn to page 816. We're going to look at Ephesians 5, 21 through 33 today. And we're going to talk about the subject of Christian marriage. If you haven't been with us, we have been in this series called In Christ as we make our way in 2015 through the letter to the Ephesians. And uh, we've been learning how once we come to trust in Christ, how do we now live out this new relationship that we have with Jesus? And today we come to the subject of how we live it out in marriage. And if you're following along in the notes, I want to just introduce uh, by saying this opening, these opening comments. First, married or not, marriage is to be honored by all. That's what those verses out to the right say, particularly Hebrews 13, 4. But married or not, marriage is to be honored by all. And uh, some of you know that in our culture now, about half of our population in the United States is unmarried. So in a room this size, you can imagine, that I'm sure there's some of you who are going, oh man, I came as on marriage, I'm not married. Like, I don't know if this is gonna have anything for me. I just want you to know two things. One, why are we teaching on this today? Because we came to it. That's just the honest truth. One of the things we're doing at Cherry Hills is we're trying to walk through the scriptures and not just bounce around and pick our hobby horses when we come to this. So we're going we're gonna to walk through this. The second reason, though, is, is that you'll notice in this passage that it talks not just about marriage, but Christ and the church. So whether you're married here on earth or not, in a sense, when you put your trust in Christ, you enter into a marriage that's going to last longer than any earthly marriage. And the more that we understand that, the more it can shape the way we live now, whether we're married or not. And so I hope you'll find that there is something in this for all of you. And, and we're going to end the message today by interviewing three couples from our church who are going to share honestly about what this looks like in real life. So what I want you to notice, if you've already got your Bibles open, I want you to notice that last week we talked about these five words, be filled with the Spirit. And we saw that it was a command, that Jesus says we need the Holy Spirit in our lives and that when we trust in Christ, he gives us his Holy Spirit. But just because we have the Holy Spirit doesn't mean we're filled with, influenced by, led, or controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's something we need to do every day is to let him fill us freshly each day. And so what I want you to notice if you're following along in the notes is that be filled with the Spirit comes before God's plan for the family, work, and battle. I mean, if you just take a look at your Bibles, you'll see that next week we're going to look at what it means to be a parent, what it means to be a child with parents. And then also after that, we're going to look at what it means to do work. How do we do our work with Christ in our lives now? And then after that, we're going to see that even though we've become Christians, it doesn't mean that everything becomes happy and fine. Now we have spiritual battles that we need supernatural power to deal with. We're going to talk about that. But Paul does not talk about this without first saying, look, don't try and do any of that without the Holy Spirit freshly filling you. And so that's why the order is very important, and I want to talk about that. Now what we're going to do is we're going to read, as you see on the notes there in the first gray box, we're going to pick up what we learned last week uh, from verses 18 and 21, which also is the hinge verse. Verse 21 is the hinge verse for this week too. And uh, you may remember that last week we talked about the fact that when you and I are filled with the Holy Spirit, there are marks of singing and giving thanks and also submitting ourselves to one another. We're going to talk about that today. 
But then we're going to look at verses 22 through 33. So let's read this together. And I'll ask you to read verse 18 and 21 off that uh, gray box. And then I'll continue on with verse 22. And then I'll invite you back at the end of uh, verse 33 as we end the passage reading it. Okay? Here we go. Let's read verse 18 together. Be filled with the Spirit. And then second, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 22 says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Now read with me. Each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let's pray. Now, Lord, I pray that you'll help us understand how to live the Christian life in the everyday, nitty-gritty details of life. And whatever our station is in life, I pray that you'll show us the importance of marriage. And I thank you for all the people in this church family, whether they've had a positive experience or not with marriage, the desire to honor your institution of marriage, that it's your idea. Show us how to get it right, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so <clears throat> one of the things I want you to see if you're following along in the notes is that the outline here says God's radical plan for marriage. And we probably take for granted when we hear passages like this now, we probably take for granted that we've had 2,000 years of Judeo-Christian influence even in our Western world. So there's people today that do some of the things I'm gonna talk to you about that don't even know the Lord. They don't believe in the Lord. And I want you to know that they're only able to do that with the help of God, whether they realize that or not. But what we see here is something that was totally radical in Paul's day when he wrote it. In those days, women were considered second-class citizens. You can still see some of this in Middle Eastern countries today, the way women are treated. And women were treated almost as property. It was considered that their job was to be a slave to their husband. Therefore, most of the writing on marriage, if it was written by the culture, would have stopped after the wives' instructions. It would have never had anything for the husbands. But you notice something? Notice how much time does Paul spend speaking to the husbands. Now, some have joked that this is because us guys don't catch on quite as fast. But the real reason is because it was a brand new idea that men had as much responsibility in marriage for a good marriage as women. It's a radical idea. And so he's showing, now that you trust in Christ, let me show you how marriage is different than the culture says it is. And I want you to see that. And so if you're following along, notice that he's already indicated that only as we go on being filled by the Spirit can we live it out. Only as we go on 
being filled with the Spirit, can we live it out? Someone has said the Christian life is not difficult, it is impossible. And what they mean is, is apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we cannot live a Christian marriage or a Christian life. And so we remember that, and then notice this, though, that this assumes something, and I want you to see this this morning, that the greatest enemy to marriage is my sinful self-centeredness. The greatest enemy to any marriage, or I will say any relationship, is my self-centered, my sinful self-centeredness. Now, I know some of you, maybe you're tempted like me to say the greatest enemy to marriage is their sinful self-centeredness. And that's, the, that's what you find when you enter into a covenant of marriage, is that maybe you enter into marriage in an in-love phase. You know, you're just caught up with all the things that are so right with them. You notice after a while, though, You know exactly where I'm going, don't you? You notice after a while, though, that you begin to see just how self-centered they are in different ways. I mean, it just, it just becomes clear to you after a while, and you notice it more and more. And then on top of that, they have the gall to say that they see that you're kind of self-centered too. But you know, you know in your mind that it's really their self-centeredness that's worse than your self-centeredness. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, here's what happens in our culture. All of us, all of us, even if we are raised in the very best home, bring baggage and wounds into our marriage. All of us have been dinged in relationships and dinged other people, but we bring in this kind of hurt, this woundedness, this kind of baggage. And what so often happens is is that we believe that the real problem is they don't understand our woundedness. But God wants us to understand that that's actually an excuse. Because even though those wounds may be legitimate, and I'm not downplaying them, before we were ever wounded, we were self-centered. And that self-centeredness is the enemy of marriage. And unless you and I make up our minds to say, look, yes, I have some wounds, yes, I have some baggage, but I know that God is showing me that I need to deal with my self-centeredness more than just pay attention to theirs. And I'm going to let him work on my self-centeredness. And as I do that, I'm going to trust that he can work more freely in theirs. But that is a turning point. And maybe today that's exactly what God wants to say to you, whether you're married or not, is do you understand that? Because it leads to this next point, if you're following along, is that the Holy Spirit, one of the things the Holy Spirit does, this is why Jesus says we need the Holy Spirit, is because the Spirit, if you're following along, makes the gospel of Christ real to and real in us. The Holy Spirit, one of the things he does is he helps not only our minds to understand, he allows thoughts to go across the ticker of our mind. He illuminates the things that are true, both about our sinful self-centeredness, but also that are true about Jesus. And so Tim Keller has said these words. And if you look up on the screen, he says this, the gospel. By the way, you know what the gospel means? The gospel means good news. The gospel is this. In yourself, you're more wicked and weak than you ever dared believe, but in Christ, you're more loved and accepted than you ever dared hope. It's both of these things at once. And I don't know if the Holy Spirit has helped you understand that, but the Holy Spirit, by the time I was 15, helped me see that I was self-centered. That was my biggest problem. It was the biggest enemy to doing life and relationships. 
And I could say, but, but, but. But after a while, the Holy Spirit goes, no, 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 you need to, you need to accept this. Because if you'll accept that, then you're going to be in the position to open your hands to the grace that Jesus Christ offered when he died on the cross as a sacrificial death in your place. Because you see, you need to know that although God knows that about yourself, in fact, you don't even realize how self-centered you are, Jeff, but I do, and I'm showing you so that you can also know you're even more loved than you could possibly imagine, and he has such good plans for you. And that's what the gospel does. See, once the gospel changes your heart like that, now, even when someone else has self-centeredness, you're able to have a love and a grace for them because you've experienced that love and grace with the help of the Holy Spirit, making that real to you and real in you. And that leads us to this next big idea, as we saw last week, is that when you let the Holy Spirit not only come into your life by the amazing grace that Jesus offers when you trust in him, You need to be filled, the Bible says. I need to be filled with him in an ongoing way. That means allowing myself to be filled. I can't fill myself with the Holy Spirit, but I can be filled as I depend on him and trust in him. And when I do that, one of the marks we saw last week was singing. Another mark is giving thanks. And the third mark we talked about that sometimes is translated in your Bible translations, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's one of the things that happens. So what is the word submit? For some of us, it's a curse word, but what does it really mean? Submit, if you're following along, means to give oneself up for another just as Christ did. To submit means to give oneself up for another just as Christ did. It means to put another person's interest ahead of my own. Not because they're more important than me, but it's a posture. It's a way of saying, I'm not just going to count my interest as most important. I'm actually going to learn how to put their interest and what would benefit them ahead of my own in order to submit to them. And whenever you see the word submit, in my notes, I just put, you can also say that it equals serve. So Jesus gave himself up for us, Galatians 2.20 says, and other places. He submitted himself to us, first to the Father and then to us. And that kind of posture blew people away, especially people that didn't think they needed any help from God. But Jesus took that posture, and now he says, follow me. Take that same posture. And friends, humility was never a virtue until Christianity. Historians have proven this. This was considered weakness before that. But now, submission in this kind of way is beautiful when it's practiced as unto the Lord, just as Christ did. And so as you think about practicing this, um, I think I've shared with you before um, that you can do that for all kinds of wrong motives, I mean, you can, I don't know about you, but sometimes I serve, but I want everybody to know I'm serving. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like, I'm serving, like this, see? But that's not the motive we're supposed to do it out of. If you follow along in the notes there, notice that it's out of awe and reverence for Christ that we can do this. It's out of awe and reverence for Christ that we can do this. If you look up in that first grade box, you see the last five words. I've underlined them in my notes that says, submit to one another, how? Out of reverence for Christ. When Christ really does awe you and take over your life, (laughs) 
you're still so blown away that he would do that for you. That now you go, oh Lord, I mean, I just am so blown away by that. Show me how to have that same attitude towards someone else like you've had towards me. So a few years ago, I shared honestly that I see all kinds of applications of these kind of things in my everyday life. And I talked to you about how it, it all came down to wiping down the shower one day for me. My wife um, suggested in a very uh, firm way that it might be good if we wipe down the shower after we're done so that all the grout, you know, and things like that doesn't become moldy and it just, you know, it's just a nice way to clean up after yourself, Jeff. And so what happened is, is that I just thought to myself, look, it's a shower, I mean, it's just ceramic. It'll take care of itself, won't it? And if we have to replace the grout, we'll just do that as often as we need to do and all that. So I wasn't with the program. It just didn't, it didn't strike. So I remember that I, I, would, I would do it once in a while. I was hit or miss. And when I would do it, I think I've showed you this before, I would go like this. Like this. I mean, I just, it was so mechanical. I was not, my heart wasn't in. And one day while I was doing that, uh, across the ticker of my mind, you know, some people say, how do you know the Lord's speaking to you? Because I didn't want to hear this. That's how I knew. But across the ticker of my mind was, Jeff, Jeff, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. He said, then wipe down the shower out of love for me. Because I love your wife. And I want you to love your wife. But I want your love for your wife to start with your love for me. And I started wiping down the shower with purpose and out of reverence for Christ. And I now saw that that mundane task was spiritual and that I could do it in a different attitude. And I remember one day Trish even said, wow, like you're doing it better than I do it sometimes. And I'm thinking, that's what happens when the Holy Spirit influences you and you do it out of reverence for Christ. So how do we live this out in some practical ways? First, I want you just to see what it means for husbands and wives. First, notice if you're following along, that both wife and husband are called to sacrifice for the other. Both wife and husband are called to sacrifice for the other. This is what made this so radical when this was first introduced. There was a total lopsided in the culture before Christ came. The way that things went down is that one of them sacrificed for the other, but not both. Now, make sure you understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that husband and wife are called to identical tasks. What I am saying is that both here are called to sacrifice for the other. The word submit that's used for wives means to what? To give oneself up for. But do you notice the way that Jesus loved? How did he do it? He gave himself up for the church. Sacrificed. Both words require us giving our lives away for the other. And when two people decide to do this at the same time, it's amazing. When one person decides to do this, it still is good. But that's the possibilities. And when you and I begin to understand that this is a calling that is so radical, it's saying, look, when you enter into marriage, enter into it with that kind of posture and that kind of determination. 
But what does it say specifically to husbands and what does it say specifically to wives? If you're following along, the long and short of it is this. Husbands sacrificially love and wives offer respect. Husbands sacrificially love and wives offer respect. Do you see that down in that second gray box in the Ephesians 5.33? You may just want to even circle that, love and respect. Now, some of you know we've talked about this in the past, but one of the most helpful books that I've found, and when I talk with couples and Trish and I, when we think about our own marriage, is this book called Love and Respect by Dr. Emerson Egerich. And he talks about the fact that it's not natural for men to love. It's more natural for them to respect or feel respect. It's not natural for women to respect. It's more natural for them to love. And so what is God calling us into? He's calling us into something that is counterintuitive and it throws us back on our need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day, no no matter how long you've been married, no matter how often you've walked with Christ, how long. And so along with that book, by the way, I would also suggest this book that I've really benefited from. I've read it a couple times. Trish and I have listened to it together on Audible, but it's called The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller. And again, this is only if you're interested in learning more about these things, but this could be really helpful to you if you're interested in just learning how to live this out. So husbands sacrificially love and wives offer respect. And then notice this, that when it comes to doing that, We really have three options. I mean, think about this. When you spin out of here today, whether you're in a marriage and serving or whether you're in some other kind of family or relationship with other people, work, whatever, if you decide to serve, you really only have three options. Here they are. If you look at them, you can serve with joy, you can serve with self-pity, or insist on my way. That's how you can do it. So like when Trish said, "Uh, would you please wipe down the shower? I could serve with joy, I could serve with self-pity, or I could go, no, I don't want to do that. And how does that go? We've all seen it. And just so you know, does that still happen after I've been married 33 years? Unfortunately, yes, sometimes. The greatest enemy to my marriage is still selfish, sinful self-centeredness, mine, and yet the greatest change, game changer, is when I let the Holy Spirit fill me. And here's what I've noticed when the Holy Spirit's filling me. These two serving questions tend to come up more often. If you're following along, here's the first one. What can I do for you? What can I do for you? Do you want to know what happens when my sinful self-centeredness is leading the way? You want to know how the question changes? It's what can you do for me? Or What have you done for me lately? But when I'm being led, more times than not, it doesn't mean that my needs don't matter. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care about that. But if I put someone else's needs first out of reverence for Christ, I can trust that he's going to take care of me. I already know I'm loved. I already know I'm accepted in the gospel. And I can live out of a different center. And so when you and I begin to say that, what can happen? You know, this is something Jesus asked. I list out to the right. In a couple places in the gospel, he says, what would you like me to do for you? He had that kind of posture, even though it was Jesus. He could have come and said, I'm the king of the earth. What can you do for me? Serve me. But he came to serve instead of be served. What a radical, 
radical picture that's changed people for centuries. And so I've noticed that a question for me as a husband, if I'm thinking about loving my wife, is also, what can I do with you? And so this uh, last summer, you know, you let me go on a sabbatical, and something happened that kind of brought me back to the early years of my marriage. While we were on sabbatical, we stayed in some different places, and so when we would have dishes, Trish would wash them, and I just sensed the Lord saying, why don't you do that together? And so I would go over and just wash, uh, dry, the, dry the dishes, and it'd give us time to talk. And it was something that I'd gotten away from. See, in the first couple months of our marriage, when Trish and I were married, I remember that in our little apartment there, I had taken the dishes uh, to the sink as soon as I was done eating, because, you know, my mom taught me to do that. And after I did that, I thought, oh, I wonder, I, uh, what time is it? I'm going to go watch TV or something like that. And again, the Lord spoke to me. How did he speak to me? Not in an audible voice, but across the ticker of my mind, here came this thought, Jeff, take up the towel. I thought, what a novel idea. But when I did that, I noticed that he loves my wife even more than I love my wife, and he wanted me to serve her. And when I did, I have no regrets about doing that. And I've found that I actually can get over any nosebleed I'm having about serving, and I can actually throw myself into it. And again, it's changed. it changes things when you're led by the Holy Spirit instead of by your sinful self-centeredness. Second question is this, is what can we do for others? What can we do for others? You know, if a marriage, sometimes you see couples that they just go, oh, I love you, honey, and all this kind of stuff, and they're totally into each other, and it's like the rest of the world doesn't even exist. But when couples are maturing in the Lord, what they do is they begin to say, what about others? Is there someone that's alone? Is there someone that we could lift up? Is there some way we can take the blessing that God's allowing us to experience in marriage and bless others? And when you and I have that posture, we are living out what he always hoped. So are we turned in on ourselves or are we turned outward? And I want to just tell you, here's my dream for Cherry Hills. My dream is that this would be a family. So whether people were married or unmarried or whatever station they are in life, whether they've had a good experience with marriage or a painful experience with marriage, that we would be a church family that would love each other and serve one another and not be exclusive, but be inclusive and enveloping one another and build one another up so that marriage would be honored in our church family, but marriages would honor those who aren't married. Amen? And when you and I live that way, I'll tell you, that's a dynamic that the watching world says, what is happening in those people? So here's what I want, as we have this interview now, here's the question I want you to think about as you listen to these people share their stories. It's the last question there. Holy Spirit, where do I need to let you fill me or let you lead me right now? Where do I need to let you fill me right now? lead my life. So I want to ask you, if you would, would you please welcome the Fredericks, the Halls, and the Pauls, please. So you can imagine uh, how challenging it is for these people that said yes to, to be up here in front of you talking about their lives and open their lives. But one of the things I love about our church family is that we are a multi-generational church. 
And uh, because we have people at all different age groups in our church that love each other. So we have Luke and Christina Frederick over here on your left that have been married seven and a half years. We have David and Kathy Hall who have been married for 29 years. And then we also have uh, to the right here, we have Harry and Maxine Paul who this January will be married 65 years. Isn't that neat? So... So we got together earlier this week and we had a chance just to talk about, you know, where are the everyday challenges that we have with selfishness and with letting the Holy Spirit lead us? I mean, how does that look in everyday life? And so, uh, again, I hope you know, I know they would want me to say this. They hope that as they share, they don't come across like they don't have any struggles like you have or that this is just, you know, a walk in the park. This is an everyday thing. This kind of life is daily, isn't it? So I'll start, Luke and Christina, I'll start with you. Um, you guys, again, as I just said, have been married seven and a half years. We've got some pictures here on the screen of your uh, wedding day there. And uh, <clears throat> uh, right now, uh, as I think about your relationship, it all got started back in the Middle Eastern nation of Jordan when you were both doing mission work. You met there. And uh, you got married, Christina, after teaching uh, several years as a school teacher. Uh, you made the decision to be a stay-at-home mom. Luke, you are in the last year of surgical residency. You're a doctor, and uh, so it's not like you're bored right now. You've got plenty going on. But to add on top of that, what makes it challenging is that you have three little bambinos, three boys, all under the age of five. So when I asked, what has been the most challenging chapter of your marriage, you said, right now. So let's talk about that. Christina, talk about how the everyday challenges show up at your house. Sure. So like you just said, um, we have three little kiddos. And before I share a little bit of my daily challenge, I just want to make sure that I'm clear. We love those guys. Um, they're great. I love being a mama. I'm so glad that um, God has allowed me to be their mom. But as I get real with you guys, I just don't want to seem ungrateful for those lives that God has entrusted me with. So in all honesty, though, those little friends take so much out of me right now. And because of that, it's a daily challenge to be intentional about my relationship with Luke, especially in the evenings. Um, like you said, I get to stay home with our three little guys, and they are four, three on Tuesday. So if you see Tommy, say happy birthday, and one. And there's a saying about parenting, and it goes, let me see if I get it right. The days are long, but the years are short where we are definitely, no doubt, in the days are long part of that saying. Um, our boys are just demanding, from wiping little bottoms to mastering our ninja kicks, um, to explaining what a veteran is, to folding their laundry and making sure it gets put away before the next laundry day. I feel like they just need all of my attention all the time. Um, I'm constantly on, and I'm always putting their needs before my own. So it's not uncommon when I hear the garage door in the afternoons to say, woohoo, the reinforcements have arrived. I don't have to do this alone anymore. Um, it's easy for me to just tag out, breathe, and maybe go potty with the door closed. That's always a plus. Um, I can so easily check out in the evenings. If I forget to put off my old self, I quickly fall into self-centeredness. I don't even think about the fact that Luke's just worked 12 hours on a, in a high-stress job, um, or even how I can serve him. My first thoughts are actually, what can Luke do for me now? So that's my struggle. How about you, Luke? How does yeah, it look for you? I, I would echo a lot of what Christina has said. You know, I, 
I, I work a lot and work long hours. And our really, the only time we have together as a family is in the evenings. I leave before they get up in the morning, so I only see them in the evenings. And my default when I come home from work is to come home and have dinner. That's, I look forward to that every day to kind of try to do that as a family. And maybe watch a little TV or play with the kids on the couch and then go to bed. And it's hard because when I come home, I want to be taken care of and almost served. It's a very uh, kind of a self-centered thing. And it's hard because, you know, when I come home, I don't, I don't want to wrangle the kids or be the disciplinarian or pick up the house from kind of the day's destruction or anything like that. I, I want to come home and unwind and relax just like she does. And so those evenings, that's the only time we really have together. And so to, uh, that's kind of where, that's the only time we have to really build our relationship. And it's hard when we're both having those feelings. It's really a, a daily uh, struggle. So we've been talking about what does it look like then if you let the Holy Spirit control your lives, lead and influence your lives. What are you learning about that? Yeah, so it's definitely, we've learned that it's definitely a process and we're, um, especially as a young mom, um, I'm learning how to do that. But I can't imagine doing marriage without the Holy Spirit prompting us or without Jesus Christ and his perfect example of love. I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit prompts me when I relate wrongly to Luke, and I'm thankful for Jesus' example um, for how to love Luke. But more practically speaking, I found that if I pray for Luke often throughout the day, the Holy Spirit softens my heart towards him and also makes me more aware of his needs. So I try to be intentional about praying first thing in the morning um, and then also throughout the day, maybe during meals, but especially during nap time because that's the only time that it's quiet at my house. Um, so during nap time, I use the book, The Power of a Praying Wife, and it just helps me pray specific prayers and scriptures over Luke. And I found that that intentionality is really good instead of just saying, please be with Luke, because um, God is with Luke all the time. I don't need to ask him to do that. Um, so I found that the days that I do do this, um, it's just our days go much smoother. I can joyfully serve Luke and um, think of him before myself. And then our evenings are awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, in, in this area, though, the Holy Spirit has taught me a lot about this, and this isn't something that happened quickly. This has taken a long time. But learning to love her like Christ loved the church, and, you know, he did that by laying down his life for the church. So I'm trying to learn how to lay down my life for her. And a lot of times it's not big, grand gestures. It's kind of real small things. Um, when I got married, my dad told me, he said, you know, it took me 25 years to learn that putting my laundry, to put my clothes in the laundry basket instead of leaving them on the floor in the bathroom was telling your mom that I loved her. And that's really what it comes down to is me laying my, you know, learning to lay down my life for her in the small things, like sweeping up the floor after dinner or helping get the kids ready for bed or washing the dishes. And, and I, I, I want to be honest, too, these aren't things that I particularly enjoy doing or want to do, but the Holy Spirit is teaching me to do these things in a way in order to show my wife that I love her. He's teaching me to love her in a sacrificial way like he loved the church. And that's not easy. It's, I don't want to sound self-righteous at all, but it's, it's a challenge, but it's something that definitely changes the way our lives go for sure. Well, thank you so much. And uh, not only Luke and Christina, I want to move next to Dave and Kathy. So as we said earlier, you guys have been married 29 years. You grew up in the Madison, Wisconsin area. 
And uh, at 16, you started dating. And uh, so you are high school sweethearts. You got married, and uh, both of you um, are, are planners and uh, administrative types. But uh, along the way, then you had three children. And you're in a little different season now than Luke and Christina in that you just sent your youngest off to college. So now you're empty nesters. Everyone's out of the house. And um, uh, you're learning some new lessons and some challenges have come up from that. But talk to us about what you've been learning about these kind of challenges throughout your marriage. Sure. Thanks, Jeff. Well, it's helpful to kind of go to how our marriage started uh, because it lays a foundation and then uh, Kathy can kind of share uh, the, the new chapter that we're in. Uh, so here we are, newly married. Uh, we've been dating for five years. We get married and uh, we decide we want to live in California. So 2,000 mile journey in a U-Haul. Uh, and uh, we get to our, uh, our new home and uh, I had already secured a job, and of course, planners, you know, we got everything, our ducks are lined up in a row. Kathy, within three weeks, got a job. So uh, our dreams are kind of being realized, our plans are being met, and then all of a sudden, the day after Kathy gets her job, the phone rings at 3 a.m., and it's her mom telling us uh, Kathy's dad passed away, just suddenly, and uh, we're so thankful that he could be at the wedding, but uh, wow, that's a big challenge early on in your, in your marriage. So uh, what do we do with that? Do we move back home? Do we, does Kathy go for an amount of time? We had to kind of struggle and kind of come together on that and kind of lean into each other on that. And uh, we stayed, and uh, it really built that foundation of turning to God first and not letting outside circumstances control us. So fast forward five years, uh, another challenge uh, that came before us, of course, we're um, excited to start a family. We had been trying. It took us about a year, and then um, one day I go into work and, and uh, find out that I'm laid off. Uh, I don't have a job. And uh, God has a little bit of a sense of humor because uh, then I uh, came home and found out that uh, Kathy was eight weeks pregnant. Uh, we really didn't want that kind of thing to happen. We had actually stopped when I, when I found that out. And, and so that was a challenge and something we hadn't planned for, uh, but so blessed and excited. Um, so we, we ended up coming back to the Midwest. And um, through that you know, next five years or so, we had so many different challenges that really taught us to come together as a team and come to God first, and, uh, and our prayer life really developed through that time. How about you, Kathy? Well, I can just say that during that time when we went through all the transitions in California, we didn't have our family. We didn't have friends. We had just moved there, so we really needed to rely on the church and be vulnerable with people that we didn't know, which was difficult. And uh, both of us are, are different personalities. I am more of an introvert, so I look at things that go wrong and I process it. I pull in and I'm quiet and I ponder. Whereas Dave is more of an extrovert, so he's the one that's gonna, let's put it all out on the table again, let's replan this, let's, let's look at the tasks ahead of us and, and process it in a different way. So what we've found our common ground to be is that we look at the plan and pray over it. And even better if we can pray and then make the plan. We've found that God is the one that's in control. It says in Proverbs 19:21, man makes his plans, but God is the one whose purpose prevails. So we're figuring if he's going to win in the end, we may as well start with him. Go ahead and say, hey, you've got this plan. What is it that you want us to do? 
And so the challenge you have now being empty nesters is you were talking about sitting at the dinner table. That's kind of different these days too, right? It's true. We, we went from having three kids with all of their friends, so a house full all the time and usually a, a, a dinner table full, to now it's just the two of us. You know, we look at each other and I would love to play on all of his free time. And he would love to administrate all of my free time. So, you know, the struggle is to come together on it and say, well, let's give each other some space. Let's be vulnerable with each other and say, this is what I want to do. This is what you want to do. What does God want us to do together? So, I know you said to me that you guys see yourselves sometimes being controllers. And you just showed that, you know, again, when you let the Holy Spirit lead, a lot of times it leads to prayer and, and being willing to pray instead of just plan. Dave, what are you learning about letting the Holy Spirit uh, control and lead your lives? Well, it, it, it just is so evident through all of the examples in our 29 years that we just can't do it on our own. We can't figure this out. We, we, we try. You know, the temptation is to set your plans before you and just march, march out and, and, and get them. So we're reminded through these uh, external stressors in life that uh, it's better to be a team together that prays together. And it's, and it's so much easier now. And so, you know, empty nesters, what's the next step? What are we going to do? We don't know, but we're okay with that. We pray about it. Uh, we pray for our kids and uh, we let God lead. Well, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you sharing. And then this last couple here, uh, Harry and Maxine. Um, I think all those of us that know you in this church family know that uh, even after 65 years, there can be a lot of ups and downs, even in 65th year. But uh, when you think about, uh, when we think about your relationship, it's so obvious you guys love each other. And so you've learned some things along the way. I think back to how your relationship got started. Um, Maxine, you had moved uh, to Springfield area from a farm where you had been one of four kids growing up. It was very busy, very active, a lot of people coming in and out. Harry, you were an only child, and so your home life was completely different, more quiet, more subdued. And uh, you had served in the Navy, and uh, you had come back from the Navy, and uh, you had begun dating Maxine, and you found out that you were being called back to active reserve, if I understand correct. Uh, it, was, it was the Korean War was on, and so you guys made the decision to go ahead and get married. And that immediately was a big shift for you, Maxine, because you'd always pictured a June wedding when it was warm out, and instead now you had to get married on a snowy day in January. So along with those kind of adjustments, uh, what else happened, Harry, uh, that uh, happened in the everyday challenges for your marriage from the beginning? Well, it was a challenge right from the beginning because we had only been married in the first year uh, Maxine became pregnant, and uh, the landlady uh, of the apartment that we rented said no children, and uh, so we had to make some adjustments right quick. I uh, didn't know exactly what we were going to do, but my mother uh, said, why don't you come and live with Dad and I? until you can make uh, some more definite plans. So we did. We moved in with Mom and Dad, and then shortly after that, uh, we decided that uh, Dad and I would build a new house for us to live in. And uh, so we, Maxine and I went out in the country, and uh, she always wanted to live in the city. But we went out in the country and bought uh, two acres and uh, ordered the materials and uh, went to work. So this took two years to build the house, and uh, you're pregnant. So now you have a small child as well during that two years. Talk about what those two years, how you remember those. Well, I hate to say it, but uh, 
I did pout. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't think Harry was giving me any of his time. And um, I felt like we weren't able to travel to see my family or any of special occasions or friends. And um, before we were married, he said, um, where would you like to go? And I said, I've always wanted to go to California. He said, I'll take you. Because he'd been able to travel a lot. He had traveled the military. a lot, yes. Well, even he and his parents traveled a lot, too. And um, so after we moved into our house, we were there a few years. Uh, here he went into business, having his own business, which, again, took a lot of time. So... We had been married 25 years, and my brother and sister-in-law were visiting with us and um, said they were going to California for a month. Why didn't we come out and join them? And I said, yes, we will. <laughs> and kind of like a threat, I guess, but Harry says, no, we can't go. Uh, I can't make on two weeks. And I said, I'm going. I really wouldn't have gone, but he didn't know the difference, I don't think. <laughs> so the quiet time came around again, the pouting, you know, a little bit. So in a day or so, he called me from work, and he said, you know, I can shift some things around, and we're going to California. And we had a wonderful, wonderful vacation. It was great. So. And Harry, you... you had some things going on at the same time, too. Yeah, at that time, uh, of course, we were building the house. Uh, Dad and I were both working uh, full-time jobs, uh, home, had a short meal, and back out to the job site till 10, 10.30 at night, uh, every weekend, Saturday and Sunday. So uh, I regretted uh, that I wasn't spending enough time with Maxine. I wasn't giving her what she needed and what I owed her. But uh, nevertheless, that's what I did. And I, too, am uh, one who pouts and, uh, when I don't get my way. And uh, I don't like criticism. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I'm criticized, uh, I, the way I usually handle it is I either go to the garage or the shop and break something. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so that's one way to handle things. <laughs> so we've been talking about how do we let the Holy Spirit lead us in our everyday. How, what are you learning about that, Maxine? Well, <clears throat> I, I tried to talk, but I tried to uh, remember the golden rule that's in the Bible. And um, it's uh, Matthew seven twelve, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And... Um, during the time we were building the house, uh, we started straight away from the church. We felt like we didn't have time, I guess. But we started back to church, uh, and uh, things went much better. And uh, I think we have had a wonderful life. We have enjoyed retirement very much. And I thank God every day for Harry and the wonderful years we've had together. Harry, what are you learning? Life is good for us. We've always been blessed, I think, very much, more than we deserve. Um, 
times have been good. Uh, I think uh, the thing that the Holy Spirit has taught me is that Jesus loves me in spite of all my faults. And what I do is try to love Maxine in that same way and trust that she will live, love me that way. That's really neat. Well, you guys, would you mind uh, saying thank you to these people for me, please? Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. So as we close, let me just remind you that every Sunday there's always people down front that are, are available should you want to talk with someone or pray with someone after the service. And uh, I want to pray a prayer over you, uh, just that God would help us, whatever station we have in life, married or unmarried, that God would help us know how to live and follow Jesus and be led by his Holy Spirit. So can I pray? Would that be okay? Lord, we want to just ask that you'd show every one of us how to honor your plan for marriage, whether we're part of it or not, that we would esteem it rather than tear it down or think less than you want us to think of marriage. And we also pray in the meantime, God, you'd help each one of us learn how to deal with that enemy to any relationship and our sinful self-centeredness. Show us how that we can either trust Jesus if we've never done that for the first time or continue to trust Jesus and let your spirit lead us and fill us. Show us how that works out this week as we go about our relationships. And everyone agreed and said, amen. God bless you. If you want to talk to any of them, they'll be up here.